no, not this morning, on this trip. Uh, <laughs> relax, relax, dear, you're okay. Uh, she's only a few more, she, her face went white when I said that. <laughs> she's only a few more weeks left to go, and then she'll be going home, and be glad to get home too. It's been a long, long time, and uh, she's been busy, busy, busy. So, come on ahead, Darren, preach. Treasures have fallen down this thing. These microphones are built for men's back pockets, not women's. <laughs> so if you see me hawking my treasures up, you'll know why. <laughs> Honestly, when he said that, I thought, for goodness sake, five to ten, let me tell him my time's over. Apparently some of you were hungry when I finished the last time, Angela. So I told him, to, I told her, Angela, I'll give you a heads up. Eat a big breakfast for I'm speaking in the morning. So she was laughing about it. Uh, this word that I'm going to share with you this morning Dad, during the week, uh, like he said, the, the meetings fell through for this weekend. Still getting the offer in those, isn't that good news? But I don't have to go the whole way to Wales to speak. <clears throat> so I said to Dad, Dad, do you want me to share on Sunday? Because the, the missionary convention's on, you're out every night this week. He says, yeah, I love that, be great. <clears throat> he says, have you got anything? I says, yeah, I do. I have a wee word. So Jason and I were down in Dublin taking a meeting uh, a lot of months back there. And um, I had seen this wee scripture. And it absolutely jumped out at me. It's just, it sounds like a saying rather than a scripture. And it jumped out at me and I said to Jason, read that, isn't that great? Did you ever read that? He says, no, I never read that. And about two minutes later, the pastor got up and started to lead the worship. And she started to sing, do you know that song? I was going to play it, but I'll not bother now. Do you know the song? Um, I hear the Savior say, thy strength indeed is small. Child of weakness, watch and pray. Find in me thy all in all. Jesus paid it all, all to him I owe. Sin had left its crimson stain. He washed me white as snow. And she started to sing it. First line, I hear the Savior say, thy strength indeed is small. I says, there's the first, there's the song. In, like in the space of minutes, wasn't it, Jason? I said, something going in there. And it's like Clifford says, when the Lord puts something in your spirit like he'd done with him this week, it's in there, and it's in there for a purpose and a reason. So I want to share with you this morning from Proverbs 24, verse 10. And this is what it says. It says, if you feel under pressure, your strength is too small. There's a scripture for you. If you fail under pressure, your strength is too small. Now, that got me thinking. Really, it did. Because sometimes when I feel the first thing, a dirty devil beating on me, and a devil nearly got the victory off me there. And, you know, we have all these wee sayings as Christians, you know, and, and, uh, and, and I would tend to use them quite often too. And, uh, but when I read that, if you fail under pressure, your strength is too small. Do you ever wish that you never had another problem? From now to eternity, Lord, let me never have another problem. Did you ever pray that? Wouldn't it be lovely? But we all kind of know that's not going to happen. We're living in such an imperfect world. In fact, imperfect for you and your situation this morning might be a complete understatement. Imperfect understatement. We all have troubles and they really do affect us. We, we know that we're, we're in this world, but we're not of this world. But while we are in this world, everything we see, everything we hear, 
everything we feel, it affects us. I mean, it's impossible not to be affected by it when you see it and when you hear it and when you feel it. But when it comes to your spirit, that's your sight and your hearing and your sight, but when it comes to your spirit, your spirit does not have to be affected by it. Because what goes on in your spirit is a choice. You can choose to fill it up with the things of God. The above verse tells us that if we feel under pressure, our strength's too small. Well, what is strength? When I say the word strength, what comes to your mind? Probably Martin there with his muscles, his big guns. Strength. Or Brian Patterson tearing down the rugby pitch, knocking people flying out of the road. That's strength. That's your physical capability. My look, he's 20 months, he'd knock you flying, he'd be a rugby player someday. You know, sometimes the sheer strength that he has is amazing. Then sometimes when we hear the word strength, we think of emotional strength. She's so strong. How she ever got through that, I never know. The strength of that woman's character. There's physical strength. There's emotional strength. Sometimes it takes the two. Sometimes it really has to be a bond of the two things. Physical strength, especially when you're going to fight at war. If you're just strong, you could still give up. Physically strong, but you could quit. But sometimes you need to be strong this way and strong this way to get through the stuff that life throws at you. Let's see how the Bible refers to it. Well, Moses, he said about the tribe of Judah. He says, Lord, hear the cry of Judah and bring them together as people. Give them strength to defend their cause. Help them against their enemies. That's in Deuteronomy 33, 7. David was now in great danger because all his men were very bitter about losing their sons and daughters. Did you hear that? He was in great danger. These men were bitter about him losing sons and daughters. And they began to talk of stoning him. In, in 1 Samuel, David had gone from being a hero a hero. They were singing hero songs about him. Then some of them lost their sons and daughters. And the next thing they were talking about, stoning him. How quickly people change. We're so fickle, aren't we? How quickly people change. It says in 1 Samuel 30, but David found strength in the Lord his God. Or David strengthened himself in the Lord. He strengthened himself in the Lord. It says in 2 Samuel 22, 30, in your strength, I can crush an army. And with my God, I can scale any wall. Did you hear that? In your strength, I could crush an army. Whoever said that had the strength of God in him, he firmly believed that with the strength of God, not his own strength, but with the strength of God, he could literally crush an army. He could literally scale any wall. When God gives us strength, he wants us to use it. He absolutely, 100% intends for you to use the strength that he offers and not to use your own strength. He gives us strength to overcome the negative situations that we find ourselves in. You know, the stuff that's just oppressing us, the stuff that is literally knocking the life out of us. I want you to know this morning, God gives you his strength to help you succeed. He doesn't expect you to depend on your own strength. He doesn't expect you to depend on the strength of your pastor. He doesn't expect you to depend solely on the strength of the brethren. He expects you to depend solely on 
his strength. If you feel under pressure, your strength's too small. What's causing you to feel this morning? What, what's failing to you? Failure's different to a whole lot of people, you know. For one thing, some, sometimes people go through a situation, and for one, it's water off a duck's back, and for another one, they're sitting in the depths. They feel beat up over it. They, they're condemned over it. They can't get over it. It's devastated them. But no two people react the same way to any given situation. But what, what's failing you at the minute? What's causing you to fail? What areas is our lack of strength really showing up in? Is it fear? Is fear crippling you? Maybe it's sickness. Maybe your sickness has got you so worn down physically that spiritually you're just crushed. Maybe your finances are an absolute mess. Maybe your marriage is a mess. Maybe your children are rebelling to the point where you just feel like an absolute failure. Maybe you're absolutely miserable in your work. Maybe it seems like every time you take one step forward and you give your best, the boss just shoots you down. You come out of there feeling like a wee boy in short trousers. Maybe you haven't been saying yes to things that God has asked you to do. Maybe you've failed God and you've let him down. Or maybe you've been saying no to things that you should have been saying yes to. Or maybe there's things you're saying yes to that you should have been saying a very firm no to. What I love about the word of God is that for every single failure and failing that we face in our life, the word of God has an answer for it. The word of God really is a light onto your feet and a lamp onto your path. You're sitting in a big lit up room like this. Candle's no good to you. Thanks very much for that candle. It's lovely. It's no good to me. But see if the lights go out and it's a winter's night, it's already dark outside. I'm telling you, you will be so grateful for that wee white stick with a light in the top. It'll mean so much to you. Sometimes when all's going well in our life, we still have a wee read, you know, but, but sometimes it doesn't just mean as much to us. But sometimes when we're sitting in complete and utter darkness, one scripture is the light that literally lights up the whole situation. One word's all it takes. One word, one scripture. But it won't come out of this book unless you physically open it. Unless you physically take yourself sit yourself down, make a space, make time, pull the phone out, pull the Wi-Fi, the Wi-Fi as we call it in the Philippines, the Wi-Fi out. Get rid of all distractions and physically sit yourself down and say, God, I need to hear from you. We need to be doing that on a daily basis. Which one of these hits a chord with you? Here's some scriptures. Are you a warrior? It says in 1 Peter 5 and 7, Give all your worries and cares to God, for he cares for you. You all know that, casting all your cares on him because he cares for you. We used to sing it in Sunday school with Evelyn. That was her favorite salty song. Cast all my cares upon you. We used to love it, didn't we, Evelyn? Building it out. I lay all of my burdens. We loved it. But do we actually do it? Do we actually do it? What was it Corey Ten Boom said, Dad? We, we cast our, our sins into the sea of his forgetfulness and his forgiveness. And he puts up a sign that says no fishing. Why? Because we go and fish the thing back out. Lord, I cast all my cares onto you. And then we finish our quiet time and we walk out the door 
and the phone rings and we're telling our friend every care that we were supposed to have just cast onto the Lord. We're able to just reiterate it in seconds. Why? Because we're still carrying it. We're still carrying it. We never actually cast it. First Peter 5, 7 says, Give your worries to God because he really does care for you. And he can carry it so much better than you ever could. And when you do hand it over to him, when you really do hand it over to him, I believe that he comes in and he pours in the oil and the wine and he fixes your situation. But it's only when you've handed it over. Have you got a stinking old can't-do attitude? There's nothing worse. I can't stand to be around somebody who says it all the time. Couldn't do. Oh, I can't do that. Oh, thank you, Annie. But I, I, no, I couldn't do that. It actually irritates me. I can't do attitude. Not that I don't say it sometimes too and get picked up on it. But you know the type of person who just says it constantly. Oh, I I can't. No, I couldn't. Thanks, Annie. No, I I can't. Well, here's what the Word of God says in Philippians four thirteen. It says this: I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. No brackets. No except fours. I said that the last time I spoke. We were so quick to put in the except fours. I can do all things through Christ except run this project. Why well, I could do all things except, well, now I couldn't maybe now volunteer on the fun day. The thoughts of thousands of people coming. But the Bible says, I can do all things, all things through Christ who strengthens me. In Christ's strength, you can do anything. In your own strength, I agree with you. You probably couldn't. You'd probably be beat. I'm telling you now, I could not do what I do at Helping Hands without Christ's strength. I couldn't. I'd be a train wreck. And there's days I am firmly locked in that toilet, tears tripping me, boogies running down my face, on the floor of the toilet, on my knees going, I can't do this. See, when I lost Honey May, I'm telling you, that is literally where I was on the floor of that toilet, roaring that I cannot do this. I can't, Lord. My heart is ripped out of me. I can't do this. And I came out and he reminded me, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. But it's his strength that I can do it through. It isn't my own. Are you one of these people who always feels like God's forgot you? He remembers everybody else. And you see him moving in other people's lives. But you're not maybe just 100% sure that he's got your back. You're not just maybe convinced. Well, it says in Psalm 46 and 1, God's our refuge and our strength. I love this. He is a very present help in times of trouble. A very present help. Might be taking a little bit out of context, but he's present. He's present. When you're in your times of trouble, he is present. He's right there. He never left. He never leaves. He never forsakes. He is a present help in times of trouble. Are you self-reliant? It's a Northern Ireland thing, you know. I find that in a lot of other cultures, people are happy enough to ask for help because they realize that they can't do it all themselves. Now, men, you're a whole different breed. Men don't ask for help. We know that. But us women, we know how to ask for help sometimes. And... Like, when I go to the hospital in the Philippines, people are happy enough to ask me for help because they absolutely realize at that moment, they can't do it. So it's either, 
I, I swallow my pride and ask for help. That's the bottom line. But in Northern Ireland, a lot of times people say, well, no, thanks. Well, I'm, you're lying and sick at home. Somebody says, well, I call around my pot of stew. Oh, no, 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 it's all right because I'll send David down to the shops. No, no, plenty in. No, the old rubbish. You've packed a Tesco's biscuit sitting. That's all you have. But woe betide that you would say, that would be great. I would love that. You're so self-reliant, but it goes against the word of God. Listen to what God says, Ephesians 6 and 10. Finally, be strong in the Lord, in the Lord, and in the strength of his might. Oh, you're told to be strong. That's biblical. But you're told to be strong in the Lord. You're told to be strong in the strength of his might. That's very different. You could never do it by yourself. Nobody's expecting you to be so strong that you ripped yourself out of the pit. You'll never do it. But we do expect you to be strong, and I expect myself to be strong in the Lord. Are you heavy-hearted? Maybe your soul is weary with sorrow, it says in Psalm 119. Strengthen me according to your word. Are you wondering if God actually helps? It says in Isaiah 40, 29, He gives power to the weak and he increases the strength of him who has no might. It doesn't say he will if you ask or he may, possibly, if you're good enough. It just says he gives power to the weak and he increases the strength of him who has no might. So when you physically can't even get the one foot in front of the other, when you physically, literally, your God up and goes, just went and got up and went, God promises that he will give you strength and that he will give you power. Maybe you're tormented by fears. Tormented by fears. And it's causing you to fail because you can't focus on the thing you're supposed to focus on because you're so focused on this fear that has absolutely gripped you and is literally tormenting you. Maybe you've no self-control. But listen what it says in 2 Timothy 1 and 7, for God didn't give us a spirit of fear, but of power, of love, and of self-control. That's amazing scripture. God didn't give you a spirit of fear. So if you got that spirit of fear, that isn't from him. So why is it in you? You need to get it out. You need to command it to get out and leave. Because God says that what he gave you was he gave you power. He gave you a spirit of love. He gave you self-control. Do you know, that's an area I'd struggle in. My self-control isn't great. Obviously, look at the size of me. But I mean, and you know, you're laughing, but I'm serious. It really isn't. But that's something that I have to come to the Lord with. And I did it actually last February. I remember particularly after Christmas saying, Lord, I'm telling you now, I have no self-control. And I mean none. I didn't have a drop of it. And it was actually bothering me that I physically had no self-control. And the month of February, I gave it to the Lord and I said, I'm not going to eat rubbish. And Mark says, you're doing this for yourself with the Lord. I said, no, it really is. But it's for, for me to say to the Lord, Lord, I need you to help me here because I have no self-control. So the month of February, I had no rubbish except on Valentine's Day, and I'd already talked to a lot about that in advance. But you see, 
cousin Newmark will take me out. I actually, he laughed. I says, I've, I've eaten no rubbish the whole month of February except for two days. Ask the Lord for two days' grace. One was Valentine's Day, and one was, I'm living in the Philippines. There's no way you're going to somebody's house and not getting ice cream. Isn't that right, Josh? So, I mean, what do you do? So, you have, the Lord's full of grace. Thank you, Lord. So, the month of February came, and I'm telling you, see, by about day, day one was fine. See, about day three. Now, I had a self control issue. I was like a beaten bear. It wasn't even funny, it was terrible. I desperately wanted it. And I sat down one night and I thought, you know, I could go down the stairs, eat the whole kitchen, and nobody will even know. But God will know. And I've went and gone and promised God that I'm not going to eat rubbish. And just promised Mark. I didn't promise the youngsters. I promised the Lord. And honestly, that's what got me through. And it did honestly, genuinely get easier and easier because I kept reminding myself, this is a promise between me and God. And I'm doing this in his strength. It's certainly not in my own strength, let me tell you. In fact, many's the day they come into work and they automatically, ha it's Marianda time, that's your wee snack time. And they automatically hand you Marianda. No, hello, hello. Ferns from across the road. It's like a big crushed ice, big, lovely big dessert thing. Sweat was lashing off us. Girls come in with a hello, hello. They handed it to me. I mixed it, stirred it while I was reading the computer, put it to my mouth. And the Lord just reminded me, what did you promise me? Lord, it's just icy water, you know, but right enough now it's full of sugar and, and good stuff. But no, you're right. And I actually, honestly, the Lord helped me. Why is that? Because his desire really is honestly to give us strength to give us self-control, to give us power, to live our everyday lives. We, folks, we've got to keep it real. wants you to be oh God wants you to be able to live your everyday life because sometimes we read the scriptures and we're so holier than thou and it's so far removed from everyday life you think God doesn't care about you needing to lose weight you think he doesn't care about you needing to pay your bills at the end of this month you think he really doesn't mind what job you're in he cares absolutely he cares what does Rosine say? I keep quoting Rosine. It says in the book of Psalms, he busies himself with every detail of your life. He absolutely cares that you have the strength physically and emotionally to get through today. That's why he has made provision. Are you fearful of someone? It says in Hebrews 13, 6, so we say with good courage, the Lord is my helper and I will not fear what man can do to me. You're not bound. Are you oppressed? It says, I have told you these things, that in me you may come, uh, you may have peace. In the world you will have oppression, but cheer up. I've overcome the world. You know, sometimes we go around completely defeated as if God never did what he did, as if he never went to the cross, as if he never sent his son to the cross, as if there was no victory. But he says, but I have overcome the world. But we need to get a realization of that. We need to get a grip of that in our own lives. Are you having trouble keeping going? I really do know how it is. Sometimes, literally, you literally just think, I'm not going to be able to do this. I physically can't go another day. But it says in Isaiah 41.10, don't be afraid. It's Isaiah 40.31. But they that hope in the Lord shall renew 
their strength. They shall take wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. Confess that it's a good scripture. Are you not giving your relationship with God 100%? Because it says in Luke 10, 27, sometimes that's where we fail. We give it 50%. Sometimes we're even real beefed up and we give it 80%. But it says this scripture in Luke 10, 27. And if you read it fast, it doesn't hurt. But if you read it this way, then it, it kind of has a poke. It says this, and he answered, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength, and with all your mind, and your neighbor as yourself. That's 100%. It doesn't say love him as best you can and it'll all work out fine. People say, well, just do your best. No, God said, do it with all your heart. Do it with all your soul, all your mind, all your strength. In fact, didn't we sing that this morning? Love the Lord your God with all that is within you. If you're feeling, maybe you're not loving him 100%. Maybe you're not giving it all. Now, I just don't mean in talk or on just on a Sunday morning. But all is all. Dad and I were talking the other week. We were saying about, you know, in the good old days, meetings used to be on all the time. There was a Wednesday night meeting. There was a Friday night prayer meeting. The youth was on the Saturday night. The church was on twice on a Sunday. Never even came into our minds to miss a meeting. Missing a meeting to go to Newcastle was unheard of. Had about five other days to do that. Why would you want to not be in the house of God? To go and fulfill your own personal pleasure needs. And then you come back and go, Oh God, I'm feeling I don't know why. Oh, I don't know what's wrong. Oh, holidays are what's wrong. Family time is what's wrong. It's a lie of the devil for you to think that, that if you give 100% to your family, it'll all be all right. It's not in the scriptures, folks. I'm sorry, and I know you're probably offended at me, but it is not in the scriptures. What is in the scriptures is that you're to give 100% to God. And God will take care of your family. Now, I give 100% as best I can in both areas. I go up in both 100 mile an hour. Do I feel? Absolutely. And then I've got to go back to God and ask him for his strength to get back to it. But I never set it to be my goal to put my family above the Lord or to put my family above the church. And I'm not weary. And I'm not tired. Sometimes I'm tired when I'm tired I need to go to bed. I don't need to give up ministry because I'm tired. I don't need to give up things that I do for the Lord because I feel a bit faint, so I'm just going to give it up. No. Where is that in Scripture? Show me a Scripture that says it. I'm telling you now, folks, it doesn't say it. It doesn't say it. The disciples were at it. In fact, they were so shattered sometimes. They were like, oh, Lord, we're shattered. He says, come on, we'll go in the boat and rest then. We'll get in the boat. We'll get in the boat to go away rest. The next thing, there were crowds of people going along the shore. Did the Lord say, I'm sorry, folks, we're having a wee rest? No, he didn't. He instantly switched and he says, guys, let's go. There's sheep without a shepherd. And they all just went and they ministered. You'll have time to rest. Rest great for you, I'm going to tell you that later. Rest great for you. But not at the expense of, not at the expense of your relationship with God. Not at the expense of being around him, being around his people. 
that's where your strength is. Are you severely tempted? Maybe you're failing in the area of temptation. Whatever your temptation is, for everybody's a bit different. But maybe that's where you're feeling like an absolute failure. But it says in 1 Corinthians 10 and 13, no temptation has taken you except what's common to man. But God is faithful, who will not allow you to be tempted above what you're able, but he will, with the temptation, also make a way of escape so that you can endure it. For every temptation you face, for every single last one of them, the word of God promises that he has made you a way of escape. It's your choice if you take it. If you failed, it was because your strength was too small. God's plan for us as believers, it isn't to fail when we're under pressure. He's given us the tools to stay on our feet. He's forewarned us. Read the scriptures. He has forewarned you that, that dark times would come. He has forewarned you that sickness would come. He's forewarned us about the wars, the rumors of wars, the famines, even the stuff that happens in the world in general. It's all in there. Forewarned is forearmed. When we know what's coming, we now have the tools to deal with it. Now, listen to this scripture. And you say to yourself, how could anybody have written that? I mean, scripture's spirit inspired. So it's for our good. Listen to what it says in James 1 and 2. Consider it a sheer gift, friends. When tests and challenges come at you from all sides, you, that's already we're going, I ain't thanking the Lord for all my tests and challenges that are coming from all sides, and I've got 50 million of them at the minute. But James exhorts us to consider it a sheer gift when tests and challenges come from all sides. Listen to this. For you know that under pressure, your faith life is forced into the open and it shows its true colors. How true is that? When you're under pressure, your faith life, says James, is forced into the open and it shows its true colors. So don't try to get out of anything prematurely, he says. Let it do its work so that you become mature and well-developed, not deficient in any way. When you are under pressure, then all the mates that you've been sharing the gospel with, all the people in your work, all the mummies at the school gate, all your unsafe relatives, I guarantee you all their eyes will be on you. Why? Because when you're under pressure, your faith life's forced into the open and it shows its true colours. What comes out of your mouth when you're under pressure? What comes out? It matters. It matters. What we should be coming out with is that, yes, I'm in a mess, but I thank God that he's still in control. How are you going to get through it? I don't know, but I will. Not, I don't know, it's all over. Well, I'm just going to give up and quit. No, I don't know at this very second how I'm going to get through it, but I know that I will. Because God promises me that he's still in control. God promises that his plans for me are still for good. Not to harm me, they're to prosper me, they're to give me a future and a hope. Start to say out the things that God has promised you. If you feel under pressure... Your strength is too small. The only conclusion I can see there is that if we do feel under pressure, it's only because we're not using our strength correctly. 
As a Christian, your strength comes from God, right? According to those verses we read earlier, Deuteronomy and Samuel, that strength to help you defeat enemies. That strength can literally help you crush an army, scale a wall. In other words, in our modern day language, I can do this. I can get through this. Whatever it is I'm facing, I can absolutely get through it. Why? Because I have the strength of God in me. We're honestly expected to live above pressures. We're supposed to see them as gifts. And we don't. And we just refuse to. We just say, well, I'm not going to. We just choose not to live victoriously. In fact, we even have coined the phrase, well, that's life. Well, I'm going through a terrible time, but well, that's life. Oh, the devil's getting at me. Well, that's life. Well, I sinned and I failed. Well, God's got a grace. That's life. I'll be all right, you know. Miles Monroe said something. Now, it could have been slightly misquoted or a different word because I heard it third hand. But he said something like this. He said that for as long as we tolerate something in our lives, we'll never change it. Pastor Jimmy preached on it one Wednesday night. For as long as we tolerate something in our lives, we'll never change it because we tolerate it. So if you allow yourself, and it's perfectly okay for you to just keep falling, it's just okay for you to just keep going back to the same old sin. It's like a dog going back to his vomit, the Bible says. But if you tolerate that in your own life, you'll never change it. Because you'll never have the will within you. If you're happy to live sick, you're never going to be well. You're never going to be well. If it's just okay for you to be in pain every day, and well, that's just my lot in life. I hate it, but it's well, that's life. You'll stay sick. Because you're tolerating it. It's only when we are desperate and we come to the Lord in desperation and say, God, I need your strength. I need, I need you to pull me out of this. I can't pull myself out of it. My friends can't even get me out of this. But Lord, I need you. Now, don't mishear me this morning. I am not saying that we as Christians should be condemned when we fail. Because what does the word of God say? There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. You're not going to be condemned because you fail. What I want you to think about and reevaluate this morning is, why do I keep doing it? And what can I do to stop it happening? What can I do to break that pattern? What can I do to break the cycle? I don't want to just keep failing. Now, I'm not saying we'll never fail again. Catch me by the next Sunday. I'll bet you, I'll bet you I'll have failed again. But I don't go out allowing myself, well, it's all right, but next Sunday I'll have failed two times, three times. Well, that's okay as long as it's not four. And set myself a daily limit. I absolutely, honestly, really want to be able to go to Christ and ask him for his strength, his strength, so that I don't fail. So the question becomes, what can I do to have more of his strength in my life? Well, since the Bible says that strength the overcomes from the Lord, then the natural follow-on from that is that strength can be found in the Bible. It's found in our prayer times. If God is the source of our strength, then it makes sense that we need to physically spend time with him. Sunday morning is not enough. You're only coming on a Sunday morning, you're spiritual anorexic. You're starving yourself all week. Getting a good feed on a Sunday and hoping that it'll last you next Sunday. It isn't going to last. 
If your strength is in him, then daily you need to go to him. You need to draw from him every single day. You need to spend time with him. You need to be disciplined to spend time with him every single day. Confession. We need to confess the right things. We're so busy being negative that we're never positive. Sometimes we're so focused on it. Before I get to that though, on a practical level, every day, what can I do? Well, if you're talking about building yourself up, all our fitness freaks, Hannah and etc, etc, will know all about this. What do you need to do to be physically ready to do the half marathon or the 10 mile run or whatever it is? All the guys were all doing it, weren't you, lads? What do you need? The world will tell you, anywhere you go, you need good feeding, you need regular exercise, you need adequate rest. What makes you any different as a Christian? Tell me that. What makes you any different as a believer? You need good feeding. Now that deals with both the amount of the food and the food that you're taking in. Like I said, spiritual anorexia, feeding on a Sunday morning just is no good. It's just not going to get you through. Spiritual bulimia, where you, you binge, you're absolutely, you're craving it night and day, night and day, night and day. First trial comes along, the first lurch of your stomach, it's all up. It's no good, it's useless, it's all gone. It meant nothing. There's no point in starving, there's no point in binging. You need good, quality, regular feeding on a daily basis. Listen to what the Word of God says in Matthew 4 and 4. People need more than bread for life. They must feed on every word of God. Now this is for you. If you're a believer this morning, you need to feed on every word of God. Bread is not going to do it. But yet we hear that, and I guarantee you, probably 50% or more will go out this week and they'll be on the bread. And then when the trouble comes, they go, I don't get it. I don't understand. Why can I not Why can I not survive this? I was talking to a lady yesterday and her daughter's expecting and she was telling me, excuse me, but I'm roasting. And she was telling me that uh, she's morning sickness and she says the only thing that she can actually stand to eat is gravy chips. And she says... That's her craving. And she says she's, now she's June, September. What month says June, July, August, September. So she's, she's about seven months. You know what she's ate for seven months? Gravy chips. She says she's like a house side. And she says she is so weak. She's as weak as water. She has no strength, no sustenance. There's not a vitamin left in her body. She says she keeps saying, but the only thing I can take is a gravy chip. And her mommy keeps saying to her, but you're killing yourself. You have no strength. I mean, you physically, literally, you don't have any strength. She physically, literally, some days can hardly even sit up. Why? Because it's the wrong stuff. Gonna, no matter how much you justify it out in your brain, but I have morning sickness, you know, so it's kind of, and I'm pregnant, so it's okay, because when you're pregnant, you can do what you like, apparently. But no matter how much you justify it out, the bottom line is, you actually need it. And it really is for your own sake. It absolutely is for your good. You need the milk. You need the meat. 
see the bones, you can just leave them to the side. You're not going to believe everything you hear. So you have to know the difference. And as you become a connoisseur of good food, you will absolutely know the difference. Remember Mark, the first time he went to the Japanese, he says it was stinking. Oh, he says couldn't get it past my nose. He says it was gross. All he ate was the beef teriyaki. That was all he could manage. Now he goes and he's on the sushi and he's on all this stuff. And he says once you become a connoisseur of it and you know what to expect, then you know what's good and what's bad. Um, he says when you go into Royal and it's the, the supermarket sushi, he says one sniff of that, you know it's the wrong thing. No matter it says it on the box. It's not the good stuff. It's not the thing to eat. As you develop in your Christian life, as you become strong in the Lord, you get to know the difference. You'll actually know what's good teaching. You'll know what's good food. You'll know what's good pecking. And you'll absolutely know what to leave behind. Listen to this. My son, give attention to my words. Incline your ear to my sayings. And do not let them depart from your eyes. And keep them in the midst of your heart for their life, for those who find them. And they are health to all flesh, it says in Proverbs 4 and 20. You see, it takes your ears to hear, it takes your eyes to read, and it takes your heart to meditate for you to have a good dose of the word of God and the bread of life. Number two, regular exercise. No good in feeding on all this good food if you are not going to exercise. Physically, what's that? The jogging, the swimming, the running, the badminton. But spiritual exercises are what we need to do. In fact, it says in the Word of God, physical exercise has some value. But spiritual exercise is more important for it promises a reward in both this life and the next. That's First Timothy and 4. So what are some spiritual exercises? Well, there's worship. There's prayer. There's fasting. There's fellowship. And there's witnessing. My goodness, there's a queer day exercise. If ever you're looking a good workout, get to that family fun day. That is your chance to shine. That is your chance to reach your own community. Growing in strength isn't about just patronizing your own spiritual restaurant or your own spiritual kitchen. It's about going to your spiritual gym as well. You need to be fed. But you need to be exercising it too. Thirdly, you need to rest. Adequate rest. Third prescription for gaining physical strength and for gaining spiritual rest, or spiritual strength, is rest. God, now, this is a lovely thought. God demonstrated this at creation. Do you remember? He worked for the six days, and on the seventh day, it says that he rested. Now tell me this, why would God who never grows weary and God who never faints, why would he need to rest? Did you ever think of that? God rested on the seventh day, but the Bible says that God never grows weary, that he's never tired, that he never faints, so why do you have to rest? Maybe on the seventh day he needed to review his work. And he needed to reflect. And he needed to review. And he needed to be refreshed. We rest also as a practical act of waiting on the Lord. Scriptures say even youths will become exhausted and young men will give up. But those who wait 
on the Lord will find new strength. There's strength to be found in waiting on the Lord. Strength to be found in it. Honestly, as Christians, again, sorry if this is ouchy, but it's the truth. Sometimes we have our Sundays so filled up, filled to the neck with activities that we're absolutely exhausted. And by the time 6.30 comes, we'll say, well, just give it a wee miss the night. Sure, it was out this morning anyway. But the word of God doesn't teach that. It says that today is a day of rest. And it's a day to wait on the Lord. You're supposed to be waiting on the Lord. You have six other days to fill your days with activities. And if you don't have enough time, drop a day from work. Don't be dropping a day from the house of God. Take one of your holidays. Take, you don't have to take all two weeks at once. If you desperately need a, a four-day week, take one, take one of your days. But you need to be waiting on the Lord. But why do you need to wait on the Lord? That is where your strength comes from. These are tough and demanding times. I tell you, we'll never fulfill the spiritual mandate that God's put in our lives unless we have the strength to do it. And we'll never have the strength to do it unless we get it from him. Maybe you're thinking this morning, easy for Claire to say that, I don't have a spare day in my minute to rest. I don't have a spare day in my minute to pray, to read. I don't have a spare day in my minute to think. And I absolutely do know. In fact, when the, when the three children were all home with us together, Luke would wake about half six in the morning and my daddy will tell you, there was nights I was going to bed at maybe one o'clock and that was a hundred mile an hour the whole day. Literally, there didn't seem to be a minute in the day except when you were on the throne. And that seemed to be the only time that you had even a second to even breathe, to even... To, it just was crazy. But if we're saying that we're too busy to pray, if we're saying that we're too busy to spend time with God, what we're actually saying is that we're too busy to use the strength of God to solve our problems. We're so busy doing it on our own strength that we don't even have time to take in his strength to help us solve our problems we've filled our days up with a million activities not one of which will give us an ounce of strength from God and then we wonder why we're not making it then we wonder why we physically can't go on because we have no strength listen the devil will just love to remind you of all the negative stuff he just wants you to think negative he wants you to say, I can't do it, can't change. Uh, sure, they all know about me. Everyone hates me. It's a disaster. They talk about me, they think about me. Me, myself, feel horrible about myself. Devil will want to remind you of every negative word you've ever said. It'll be like somebody stand behind you, pressing the rewind button. I do that myself sometimes, press the rewind button. It's not very good. Postman tells me not to do it. But it's horrible, isn't it? When somebody's just constantly going over and over and over and over and over the same old stuff he wants you to think that you can't do it listen to me once you fall for that you're beat if you're believing his lies and you're believing that you are a disgrace if you're believing that you're a failure if you're believing that you have let the lord down you've let yourself down you've let the church down you've let your family down if you have bought into all of that and you've got yourself absolutely beaten up over it you are beat but I want to tell you this morning that that isn't from God. God's words are all about his strength. They're not about you failing. He wants to lift you out of this. 
Whatever you're in the middle of, he wants to lift you out of it. He absolutely plans and wants to give you his strength. If you see somebody failing or if you yourself are failing, it's because your strength is too small. So what's your choice this morning? Tell me this. As we close, wake up, all of you her lying asleep. What is your choice this morning, all four of you? Do you really want to rely on your own small, limited strength? Tell me the truth. Do you actually really want to rely on your own limited strength? Or would you choose this morning to change your thinking? Are you brave enough to change your thinking? Could you go out of here this morning and before you go out, make a pact with God that you are going to choose to rely on his strength and not your own? If you're doing great, well, well done for you. That's wonderful. On your own strength and you're making it, I don't know how you're doing it. There must be something super special about you because I know I cannot do it without a strength. I mess it up every time. But I would love you to choose his strength this morning. I've got a wee assignment for you. Tell me this, who goes to cell group? Okay, all the cell group people, listen up. This is for you. All the people who don't go to cell group, now you know the people that go to the cell group, go to them, ask them which one they go to and meet them there on Tuesday night at half seven. There's one in Darlingstown, there's one in Moira, there's one in Lisburn, is there? And there's one in, where else? Hold on, who leads them? Who's the cell group leaders? With mum and dad. Oh, there's two in Moira. There's mum and dad. Is there Grace and Tony as well then? And who's the other one? Fna and Ken. Anybody else? Okay, there's three cracking cell groups. Seriously, there's four apparently. Four real good cell groups. If you're struggling, really you're struggling in life, you need to be at your care group. You need to be at your cell group. This was designed for you. Because you know the way you come in on a Sunday morning and you hear the word, but you've got to go home then and digest that. You've got to go home and work through the pieces. And sometimes, especially when it's not really on the theology, you're like, I didn't understand that, you know. But... Then you come along on a Tuesday night and there's only one piece of paper, not eight pages of notes. There's one bit of paper. And somebody will make this eight pages into a five-minute word that you will absolutely understand. Ah, that's what he meant. And then at the end of that, there's three questions. And those three questions will actually physically help you to think through what you heard. Then you will sit in the fellowship of the believers and you will draw strength from them. And then somebody will pray and you'll draw strength from God. Just in his presence, just sitting there in somebody's living room. You'll never have an experience like it. And if you don't go, you are missing out and you need to find one. Now, here we go. This is your assignment for Tuesday night. If you're serious about stopping doing it on your own strength and starting to do it on God's strength, there's something else you need to do. You need to start confessing the truth. Stop confessing lies. Stop saying, stop it. Stop saying, I can't do it. Stop saying, I'm too sick, I'll never recover. Stop saying, my marriage is a wreck. Stop saying, they will never change. Stop saying, I can never change. Stop already with all the negativity. It is not for you. It is not from God. And it's not even stuff that you should be saying. I want you to go home today. 
while it's fresh in your mind, this is the Lord's day, give time to him. Go home and write my never again list. Never again. This is no New Year's resolution because we're in June. But this is my never again list. Write it down, put it in your Bible. Write it down, put it on your fridge. Type it up if you're fancy. Don't go to Johnny for he has enough to type up. My never again list. It says this. Never again will I confess I can't. Why? For I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. This is my list. Philippians 4.13. Never again will I confess lack. For. For why? For my God shall supply all my needs according to his riches and glory. Hallelujah. I love it. And see, every time I'm sitting bum broke, i got to remind myself of that. Money just doesn't magically fall from heaven to me, you know. i got to physically remind myself of that. And then i got to remember to ask the Lord to bring it in. I've got to do that. Here's another never again. Never again will I confess fear. Why? For God has not given me a spirit of fear, but of power, of love, and of a sound mind. That's 2 Timothy 1.7. You can Google any of these, by the way, if you're struggling to find a scripture. None, um, but you can. If you're struggling to find it, go and Google the thing and it'll instantly tell you where it is. Write your list with that. Never again will I confess doubt and lack of faith. Why? Listen to this. For God has given to every man a measure of faith. Do you think the Lord would give a short measure? Do you think the Lord would ever put a wee bit less in your glass? No way. So how can I ever say, ever, that I don't have enough faith? Because the word of God says in Romans 23 that he has given to every man a measure of faith. Listen to this one. Never again will I confess weakness. Why? For the Lord is the strength of my life. It says in Psalm 27 and 1. Never again. You know the song we sang over communion? God is the strength of my heart. I'm telling you now, I see when I'm feeling weak, I start singing it. It mightn't even be my favorite song. It's not that I, I absolutely love it, but it's the words that I need to remind myself of. I need to hear that in my spirit. I need to hear that in my mind. Sometimes I have something of a spirit, but my brain completely overrides it and totally tells me, Claire, load of rubbish, you can't do that. No matter how much you try to, you know, bump yourself up and say you can do it, you can do it, you can do it. Like, I mean, you can't do it. So I have got to go, God, you are the strength of my heart. I can't do all things through Christ who said me strength. He will supply all my needs according to his riches and glory. Never again will I say that I couldn't get out of it. Oh, Listen to this. Never again will I say that I, I'm so sorry. I just couldn't get out of it. I couldn't. Don't know what happened. I just couldn't get out of it. For the Lord says that no temptation has ever taken me except which is common to man. But God is faithful and he will not allow me to be tempted above what I, Claire Gowdy Henderson, am able to bear. He'll never allow me to be tempted above what I can bear. So I can never say well, it was the devil who made me do it. My aunt says it was Caleb made me do it. I think as believers, a lot of times we just come back and say, well, the devil made me do it. No, because the word of God says you're never, ever going to be tempted, ever 
above what you're able to bear. Why? Because he will make a way of escape. And lastly, never again will I wallow in my own misery. Some people this morning wallowing in the misery. You're wallowing in it. You've got stuck in it. You're so far deep into it, you just can't get out of it. But listen to what the scripture says. It says in Nehemiah 8 and 10, Don't be dejected and don't be sad. For the joy of the Lord is my strength. Don't be dejected. Don't be sad. The joy of the Lord is your strength. So if you got no strength, you need to get the joy of the Lord about you. Get the worship tape on. Sing your heart out. Does he care if you're in tune? Absolutely not. Ken, does the Lord care if you sing in tune? Billy, does the Lord care if you sing in tune? He doesn't care. He doesn't care. He loves it. Put the music on and sing it till it hurts. Sing it literally till it's in your spirit. I'll never forget it. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Blessed be the name. Up and down. I sang it about 15 times before we girly come out and joined me and started singing it with us till with no voice left. Why? Because I needed to bless his name. Even on a road mark with suffering. You can bless his name. Why? Because the joy of the Lord is your strength. If you feel under pressure, your strength's too small. But I want to tell you this morning that God has an absolute abundance of it. And you are his pride and joy. And he longs to give it to you. But you need to accept it. God bless you.